producer. Okay, lady, you want to be in the podcast? Come here. <laughs> Come up here. Yeah. Well, today we're interviewing a dog, the first of its kind. <laughs> Dude, we're going to get a cease and desist from okay. like her owner. Just be yes, like, no, you can't. She cannot be on the podcast anymore. Her owner is a lawyer. Oh, so, so, I mean, we're going to get sued. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, dude, thank you for being here today. Yeah, most uh, definitely. If you could just introduce yourself for the audience, that would be fantastic. Yeah, so uh, my name's Colton. Um, I am the CEO and founder of Prism Talent Agency. Uh, yeah, I mean, we basically started uh, the agency back in 2019. Um, you know, just a boutique dubstep agency and basically expanded from there into hip hop. Um, we have a couple rock artists on our roster now. Um, jam band, funk, um, you know, basically just expanding into multiple genres. But our foundation was originally um, electronic, uh, primarily. Um, and then, you know, we just, uh, I actually got hit up one day on LinkedIn by Bone, or not Bone Thugs, but uh, Busy Bones uh, day manager. And he was like, hey, we see what you're doing with Prism. Do you want to pitch out Busy Bone? And then that's kind of what spiraled our uh, hip hop division was because I got hit up one random day, one random afternoon by Busy Bones uh, manager. It was pretty, pretty weird, you know, honestly. That's a, that's a good email. That, that, well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a damn good email. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, yeah, I listened to you growing up through high school. Yeah, of course, I'll, I'll, I'll pitch you out. Yeah, thanks. Mace, are we out of focus? So, yeah, it's the cameras. Thank you. Um, that's really crazy, honestly. I didn't know that you guys started as primarily a dubstep artist management. Yeah, so my first artist actually was Crowell. Mm. Um, so I don't know if you remember the the song Yasuo with him and Bomber. Mace, do you remember that song? I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar. So Yasuo was like the ha ha he he song. You know oh, what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so um, I, started, I took him on before Prism. Um, because I worked at a different agency called Farrell uh, for a short period of time. Um, and yeah, he was my first artist uh, that I that I ever represented. Um, and yeah, it, it just spiraled from there, you know, just picked up one and turned into 200. <laughs> so That's crazy. Dude, I want to talk literally all about this. I got a lot of questions, but I always like starting out with a little icebreaker fun question, mm -hmm. which is... What was your first concert? My first concert, I don't even. I was actually, uh, it was actually Hoopla in the Hills. Um, oh, literally, yeah. um, it was uh, actually no, no, it wasn't Hoopla in the Hills. It was uh, Wiz Khalifa, and I think it was Mac Miller on that tour, mm. or Wiz Khalifa and uh, Wiz Khalifa and Kid Cudi. Okay, that's yeah, what yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, is this like Cushion OJ days yes, of Wiz? Like yes. so, like the good days. Yeah, the good yeah. days, the good days for sure. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Where was that? That was, was at um, DTE Amphitheater. It's Pine Knob now, but it was DTE back then. Mm. So it's a it's a big amphitheater in Michigan. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good first concert. Wiz was. I remember it was like overnight Wiz got so big like I remember I found out about him was listening to his mixtapes like listening to Cushion OJ and some of the other ones mm -hmm. and then Black and Yellow was on the radio yes. and I was yes. like oh 
This isn't even like his best song or anything, but it's definitely a radio hit. And then all of a sudden, everyone just blew knew the hell up. Uh, yeah, blew up overnight, pretty much. Yeah. And they went on that big tour, uh, the Shed tour, you know, the amphitheater tour. Um, and yeah, that was that was uh, it was a good concert for sure. Yeah, that's dope. I love Wiz. I just sorry Wiz. I like the old stuff. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. <laughs> sure, he's not gonna see this, so I think we're good. <laughs> um, cool, man. All right, now that we got that out of the way, we can get back to the to the agency. Yeah, so for sure. the the humble beginnings. I wanted to. I have a some questions written down about the humble beginnings. Let me just pull these up real quick. Um, first artist, we went over that. Uh, I guess from the first artist, how do you start to snowball into more artists? I mean, realistically, I think what had happened was is that um, a lot of artists saw uh, the trajectory I was putting Crowl on. Um, you know, I the first you know the first tour that I put him on, I think it was like fifteen dates, mm. um, and he was. Uh, he was kind of stagnant for a while so i think what happened is when they saw my ability to put an artist like like crawl on tour it kind of just snowballed i was getting a lot of i was getting hit up by a lot of artists mm. um as well as doing my own outreach you know um just seeing who was uh you know underrepresented uh underrepresented or you know not represented at all um and then just really just hit the ground running with building my team um you know at the time, I think it was, it was me, Tim, Kaylee, Scott, um, which none of these people are here uh, at the at the agency anymore. But mm. um, you know, just building a solid group of people around me, I think, was the catalyst for success within the agency. Um, you know, I have Austin, which you know he didn't come from any music background, none. None. And he's one of my best agents on my team. Mm. So that just shows that, you know, if you have a willpower to drive and go go out there and, and take care of your clients and get shows, you can do it from any background. It's just we he's got I, that hustle. The, it's it, it's that instinctive hustle. Like if you don't have the hustle in you, you're not going to be a good agent. It's either you have it or you don't. Mm -hmm. It's there's no in between with it. Yeah. Gotcha. So you started with a few people. And then, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Do you want to talk about, like, th why they're not with you? Or is that, like, a relevant thing to go down? I mean, we just we just, we just just didn't meet eye to eye on, on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, they had a certain way that they wanted to take the company, and I, I envisioned it a different way. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it's, it, it's no harm, no foul. I mean, we didn't end on bad <clears throat> terms. I still work with Tim to this day. Yeah. Um, he just chose to become a manager instead of, you know, owning an agency, which, you know, um, again, some people want to do it. Some people don't. You know, it's it was it was a learning curve for all of us at the time. You know, we none of us owned an agency before. Mm -hmm. You know, none of us really knew what we were doing. Yeah. Um, and we kind of just, you know, you know, A.B. tested it. And, you know, some of us. Some of us sticked, some of us didn't. You know, that's pretty much business 101. You know, you, you kind of got to test the waters. Yeah, definitely. No, I totally understand that. Like, had people where just didn't see eye to eye, and it's like, yeah, it's cool, man. And now, you know, they're doing their own thing. Exactly. But it is kind of good either way, because you get to like flesh out what does work, what you do like. You know, maybe management is more for you than, you know. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, but it, it does feel like 
the what your thing and management are doing is a very like synergistic thing and i feel like probably at times you almost have to act like a manager it yeah it really i mean it really depends i think you know a lot of people get an agency confused with a management team um you're right in the instance you know there's a lot of like in between like gray areas with the booking process right that sometimes you gotta think on your feet you just gotta answer the questions and get it back to um you know the talent buyer in a quick fashion however the manager is there to actually you know lay down the the uh uh what am i trying to say like lay down like the the groundwork uh for the artist and then we're there to facilitate the shows make sure that we're getting uh you know um uh ticket counts and stuff so when we go back into those markets you know we'll have an understanding of okay well he sold out a 300 cap room so you know now it's time to grow now it's time to go up to the 500 the 600 the 700 cap rooms and then you know obviously the trajectory goes up as far as the manager situation you know their their primary job is obviously to you know get the label deals make sure that their branding's on point um, you know, make sure that their relationships are, are cohesive within the industry. Um, so, you know, both of us play a, play a crucial role. A lot of times we do have to, you know, as an agency do some of the managerial things. Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of the, the artists without managers, obviously we have to pick up the slack because obviously they don't have a manager. So we have to act as basically both. Yeah. So. It's like a manager is kind of like the the parents. Like, no, we're not going to do this. Yes, we're going to do this. Yep, exactly. That's interesting. Yeah, see, there's a lot of things here that I'm just like learning as we go. Like as you're explaining this, like talent buyers and management and agency. It's just... Fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, at, at like, I guess one thing I wanted to ask was, you know, when you're choosing to get someone on your roster, you know, what what are the factors and you know when is someone not ready to be on an agency so i would say that it's kind of a double uh it's there's two things in that question so one they you have to pair an artist with someone who's equally as enthused with the project as yourself as a producer so it's more of a relationship thing also it is a marketability standpoint as well so let's say, you know, you have great marketability, but no one on my team really vibes with the music. Well, mm. you're back to ground you're back, back to ground zero because of the fact that you're not going to get the same level of trajectory within your project if the agent doesn't you know what I mean, doesn't vibe with yeah. the music. Like you're not going to go out there and put a jazz artist with a dubstep agent. Like it just wouldn't work. They they yeah. wouldn't they wouldn't have the same hustle in them to actually go get it done. Now, on the marketability side, you know, we look at a plethora of different things. So Spotify, we look at engagement. Um, we look at social media following, metri- you know, metrics like that. There's actually this uh, software that we use. It's called Chartmetric. Mm. So Chartmetric, basically, it scrapes everything. It scrapes oh. Spotify. It scrapes SoundCloud. It scrapes wow. Instagram, Facebook, Damn. everything. And then it basically, it'll, it'll even tell, like... It has every single artist in the world. Like I could put in, you know, some bedroom producer. Yeah. As long as they have like a Spotify account, it'll show up in Chartmetric. Wow. And then it basically rates you um, by your genre. So it'll give you like a rank fifteen thousand or something like that. 
you know, as to where Snoop Dogg obviously is going to be in like the top 10, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really cool. And it also shows you like if the artist is ascending, if they're descending, if they're legendary status, if they're uh, established, like it's the most amazing tool for when we scout artists. Mm. Because if they're in a decline, right? Obviously, that's not a good sign yeah. because they're declining with their metrics. Right. So it allows us to really pretty much hone in to a T on if that artist is is going to blow or not pretty much. Well, that's crazy. I didn't even know about that. Is there one is there like does Spotify way heavier? Like, does it have a different multiplying factor than like so, something else? So no, there, it's 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 broken into. Um, I would have to pull it up. Um, yeah, for sure. This isn't like a tutorial. It's a yeah, baseline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's like three different um, like categories. It's like uh, it's like um, like network. There's network and there's two other ones, but basically the network would be where all your social media handling falls in. And then the music side of it, so Spotify, SoundCloud, Tidal, um, you know, all the other ones, they fall into a different category. And then there's another one, I, and I can't remember what one that is, but basically they all funnel into three categories and then they, they show you, like, you know, think of a clock or whatever. It tells it like leans this way if if they're yeah. like if they're hot, you know, uh-huh. or if, the or hot if, meter. Yeah, the yeah. hot meter. Like, pretty much. We gotta get this guy. He's <laughs> exactly. <hot. Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> um, I just wanted to ask real quick. Um, do you ever like take a gamble on somebody on like a hunch where like maybe their metrics aren't there yet, but you're like, okay, I see something in this person yeah, most and, definitely. Like, and that, we want to be there for the growth. Yeah. And that's, that's when the relationship element comes in. And if I really dig someone's music and I'm like, damn, this is super fucking unique. Like I got to get this guy before someone else does. Mm. I've done that a couple of times as well. Yeah, for sure. Is there a risk involved? There's really, really no risk. And the only risk is, is if if I don't perform for my artists and mm. I'm not able to get them shows, it, it, it makes us look bad. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it does no justice for them in their career. But if they go like act like an asshole at the venue or whatever, does that reflect on you or does that well, reflect more on management? I mean, both, you know, it's, it's a unified team. So like, you know, we're at the front lines of, of actually booking that act. So mm. the first time that a venue or a promoter, reaches out they're talking to us they're not talking to the manager they're not talking to the artist mm, they're so asking you like hey they're what asking, artists can yeah we- they're they're asking us like hey we have this show you know who do you got for us and if we send someone out there and they're being an asshole you know uh jumping on their 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 <laughs> their, 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 their cdj or their table <laughs> yeah, they cannot yeah. they cannot hold more than like a hundred pounds you know then obviously i get a phone call like this guy yeah. was this guy wasn't. This guy tipped the LEDs or the the screen wall like. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's... I've seen that video where it's like this dude's DJing and then the screen wall falls down and he's just like, "This was the worst moment of my career." But then the crowd like lifted it back up and he was like, "And then I came back from it." He like still hit the transition. I was like, right. "Damn!" But yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. Like, oh, I don't know what's going on. My headphones just cut out. Uh yeah, it was, it was weird. I was like, whoa. Um, but yeah, like, so the other thing I wanted to ask about, there was something else there, but the one thing too is like, do you encourage 
your guys to get on cer certain social medias like if they're not doing it enough like can you like yeah i mean promote yeah i mean like, when when you, yeah when when we have like our our meetings with management obviously the artists we talk to them frequently as well um you know we always we always obviously suggest things to obviously help us be able to sell the artist so yeah you know there's there's you know situations where it's like okay yeah you haven't been posting on social media what do you want me to do get i can't get you a show when you're basically you you basically ghosted your whole platform so mm. um you know that's that's definitely something that we we are adamant about projecting how obviously us as uh, us as being able to get the artist shows we have to we have to tell them what we're getting feedback from the promoters like hey where has he been what kind of music is he releasing like all that stuff plays into a part and we're basically the like i said the first people to hear about it so hmm. you know when we go back to our meetings we sit down at the table and discuss like what are our options here what you know what's the plan so hmm. God, there's so many questions I have. Like, when does an artist get cut? Like, how does that go? Like, has that happened? Have you had any weird experience? We don't have to name names, but it's just. I like mean, there, there's. I don't see. I get, I get very um, emotionally invested into people's careers. So yeah, you want your roster. It's to hard kill for it. yeah, but it's also very difficult for me to cut someone because it is, it is like a friendship. It is, it is like more than just business i mean you're you're growing something um you're not just grow like it's different working for like let's say you went to i don't know um like let's say you were doing sales for like i don't know like a uh like an apple store or something like that you know what i mean like you're you're building not a you're building a business but the business is an individual yeah. You know what I mean? So it's way different because you you're you're not you're not like doing sales for like this big corporation, right? You're doing sales for an individual. That's their livelihood. Mm -hmm. So it's really difficult to make those decisions. And yeah. quite frankly, I I think I've only dropped like I don't know, maybe maybe ten artists total. Yeah. In in four years. Mm. So, you know, it's really difficult to make those 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 moves gotcha. um just because you know obviously yeah. you get you get really it's you know it's you're, you get friends with them and you're like man this kind of sucks but i'm not really doing you justice by you staying here either so it's one Fair of those enough. things they change from dubstep to like hyper pop or i mean that, <laughs> exactly. would, that would almost work but it's just like something completely different like yeah just, or like dubstep to like drum and bass when obviously drum and bass doesn't really sell in the united states however mm. i really wish it did because that it's my is, favorite genre that is interesting because i would say that like you know drum and bass and dubstep they're so close they are but i guess if you really tease it out it, it there is a lot of nuance there and yeah most definitely but i feel like drum and bass is making a big I, it, it is it is the and there's right a now. lot of there's a lot of like bigger artists that are are switching over to it so i think in my opinion i think in the next five years we'll see a, a influx of drum and bass yeah i would i mean we've seen some artists already kind of pushing it like zed's dead did two after shows um for a festival or, or two nights at Concord here in Chicago. And the second night was drum and bass and the EDM Chicago Facebook page just blew up with hate for it. And I don't really understand that if it's just the, the new dubstep heads, just not a, 
like enjoying it or do the, people well, I, mean, I don't i don't know man. what the hate is behind it i mean it's it's always been hate in, in electronic i swear it's it's edm mm. edm cancel culture crap that is just you know it is what it is but you know we just have to i mean it's music i mean not everyone's gonna like it you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's the that's yeah. a great thing. It's not a popularity contest. It's literally you're going there to enjoy something that your ears like hearing. It's like the weird thing to yeah. me, and maybe I'm just like I just like it all, like an electronic. But mm-hmm. when I go to a show, it's like if it's only dubstep, I'm kind of like ah, I could use some drum and bass in there. But I, like I you agree. know what I mean? So a little diversity, yeah, for sure. And I don't know if it's just like when I grew up because you know we had UKF drum and bass and dubstep and then also i wasn't in the uk so i didn't really have to be like oh i'm a drum and bass head or a dubstep head right so any of the new genres i've always been like let's give this a listen let's give this a try yeah exactly exactly maybe it's just i mean especially coming from where you are coming from detroit you know we have i mean birthplace of techno yeah you know techno snobs are everywhere in that city you know what i mean like (laughs) techno snobs are the most tribal (laughs) i will say that most definitely. Oh man, have you ever thought about getting into the other genres of electronics? So we we have been. Um, you know, we're we're actively going into house music. Um, we have a bunch of experimental. We just signed Mr. Bill and Killsmith. Oh, let's fucking go. So you know, oh, those guys are legends. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, and then obviously, you know, we we want to get into drum and bass. Um, it's just. You know, we want to do it at the right time, obviously. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, a lot of the drum and bass heads are, or a lot of the drum and bass producers, um, you know, are, are overseas, right. um, like Headaches and Danger. Um, you know, so we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm actively going after other genres, though, you know. This is a perfect lead into just like artist acquisition. Like, I know that there's this snowballing effect when you have a certain amount of guys. Mm-hmm. But just how does how does the process look for if you see an artist out there and you're like, okay, I could see this guy on my roster. What's like the next step? So, you know, basically we email either themselves or their manager. Uh, We hop on a call. We just basically outline everything that we could do for them Um, and obviously get some information on them as well. Like what are their upcoming releases? You know what? What do they envision their their project to be in five to ten years? Yeah. You know because those questions are what obviously leads into trajectory of growth for the artist. If they don't know what they're doing, then obviously we can't really do much to push them in a direction that they don't even know where they want to go to begin with. Mm. So really, it's 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 more so just learning about the artist. Obviously, sending that initial email is crucial. Getting on the phone with them, going over all of all of what they have going on. You know, like just the other day, like we had this interview with this kid that has like 56 unreleased tracks. Oh, shit. And we're like, OK, you know, that's that's a good that's a good start. <laughs> are we they get to whips ho- or are they master? They're, they're all like, done. Yeah, they're just they're all done. They're yeah. all done. So, you know, those are conversations that we have like, OK, this kid's got it. Yeah. You know, he has he has the work done. Now we just got to get it in front of the in front of the people. Because 56 tracks if you span that out, that could be Dude, three years. That's like years. two, three years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. He has enough. He has a. He has an arsenal of music. So, yeah. so that's a huge thing is having that arsenal. Yeah, most definitely. And then obviously having plans to release it too. Like 
Have you talked to Insomniac Records? Have you talked to Subsidia? You know, like, you know, what labels are you pitching it to? Yeah. You know, and, and obviously that way we know like, okay, we have interest from Monster Cat. We have interest from Subsidia. We have interest from Insomniac. Like, you know, those all come into play as well because you could have all the music that you want, but how are you going to release it too? And you could think it's good. And then that would probably like kind of divide you or like, well, maybe the labels don't really recognize it, but you're still like, ah, man, I don't know. Well, this guy, I, see, I can see this. Exactly. And then also the labels, you know, a lot of them are, are booked out like a year in advance. Mm. So, you know, having all that music, like, all right, do you already have this music set up to be released? And what's the timeline here? Because if there's no timeline and it's just sitting, then it's just, you know, it's it's emptiness at that point so mm. that's interesting see it does definitely crosses over with the management because you probably talk to the manager and be like hey how what are we going to do with this timeline exactly yeah most definitely because all of it trickles into bookings you know what i mean yeah. so it's just it's a big team you know like that's yeah. why that's why agents aren't necessarily um supposed to be managers because you know it's 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 too much for one person a, yeah. to handle. Like it's it's a lot. I mean, I feel that way just as like an artist that makes music and just like, how do I get it to all these channels? Exactly. Like doing it yourself is insane. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can do it yourself, but like you'll have certain, no life. At a certain point, yeah. you need people. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I guess for people who like are maybe at that brink of like, oh, maybe I could get on an agency, like this is going to be a really naive question, but like costs and like, would just like, how does that all factor in? Is it based, is it ratio based on performance? I know that Munchie so like, was saying. So costs, costs in what respect? Like cost from the artist to, or like, like the, what you build the artist. Oh, okay. So, I mean, basically it's just, it's commission based. Yeah. So it's normally like 10% um, on average. That's pretty much an industry norm. Um, yeah, that's that's actually what Munchie was saying. Yep. So ten percent's an industry norm for all of you listening. D don't don't do deals for like fifty percent of your earnings. From an, from an agency. Okay. <laughs> yeah, from an agency. It's not a real agency. <laughs> so ten percent's kind of like standard. Yeah. Because there's yeah, going to be a definitely. bunch of other fees. Too, yep. Right? Yep. Yep. So you know, ten percent standard. You know, um, obviously, you know, it's it's pretty standard across the board for ten. Gotcha. And then. The other thing too I saw on your website, it's like, is there transportation? Like, what are some of the other uh, so yeah, you know, so things that get so when when we go to book a show, right? So you know, we'll ask the we'll ask the uh, the buyer like, you know, what's the guarantee? And then a lot of times, you know, they'll include hotel, ground, and rider. So you know, obviously they have a place to stay. Sometimes they'll do all in offers where the artists will have to buy their hotel, they'll have to buy their ground transportation. Mm. But the vast majority of those are pretty much hotel ground rider. Um, so gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to ask real quick. Um, what if you had to assign percentages on importance to building an artist based on level of music, like the production and uh, how good it is overall versus their marketability? What would you like say? I've is actually the ratio? I've actually had this conversation with with a lot of artists and. 
you know, they don't really like the answer that I give them a lot of the times. Oh yeah, I, I <laughs> um, feel you know, it's it's. I would say it's like twenty percent music, eighty percent, eighty percent everything else. Because, you know, you look at uh, what's that one? What's that one chick? Uh, Bad Barbie or whatever the Catch Me Outside girl, right? Oh, Bad Bunny. Bad, or no, 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 it, no, it's no. bad. It's, it's uh, Bad Barbie, bad, isn't it? Bad Baby. It, whatever her name is, like she had like trash B-A-H-B. music, yeah, yeah, yeah. trash music, but it was but yet, meme. Ex- the marketability, yeah. exactly. So, what do you, you know, what I mean, if you're looking at it from that concept, right, and you're looking at how big artists can get off of just complete idiotic marketability, then yeah, I would, I would, I would put it at eighty percent because you can't get that big off of just music. Mm. Like, I don't know one artist that has just gotten instantly overnight big off of off of just music they either have a label backing them they're pumping millions of dollars into their project Mm. or they have someone else that they're coattailing or co-signing them you know it's not just like you can just make a track and be like all right i'm gonna upload this and be a millionaire tomorrow i mean it's weird because you like kind of see the viral like thing that happens with some people where they just do upload it see and, and that's like, th- see and that's that's the cool thing with like tiktok and like instagram reels right now yeah because like you are seeing that yeah you definitely are but i would say the vast majority of people need the the marketability and the whole brand image is more important than the actual you know uh the track itself and after that and after that exactly like all right cool you had a hit or like but how are you, you gonna carry viral. it exactly yeah, yeah. what do we do now exactly how are you gonna carry it i mean i had more questions about the pay just because it's like something that i feel like a lot of people don't really get to know about until they get involved yeah most definitely um but like insurance wise for if there's a gig like if you get an artist to go or like you book an artist to go to a show, they're on a lineup and there's an inclement weather mm-hmm. or like just a multitude of factors that could interfere with them having to perform. But then, you know, they took the time to be there or something happened that was like, whatever, you know, are there situations where they're not getting paid? And I mean, the vast majority of the promoters will still pay. Mm. Um, and then they'll just transfer that they'll just transfer that pay over to the to the next year or something like that. If it's a festival, if you're talking like inclement weather and stuff like that, um, you know. So actually, there's there's a couple different sit, uh, situations here. So like, let's say let's say an artist is you know in Montreal, right? And they're getting they're getting just bombarded with snow, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know they're about to hop on a flight to let's say I don't know Florida. Right, and they get snowed in. Now that's a situation where the promoters might might ask for a, a refund, or you know, a lot of times we'll just ask to reschedule the show. Mm. Um, that way, obviously, the show can still happen at a later date. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. There, you know, there's situations where you know the artists do, you know, obviously come out of pocket for a flight or something like that. Um, the vast majority of times though, no, I mean, it, it's, it's a rare occurrence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Especially yeah, with festivals. Like if they're there on site, yeah. they're getting paid. Yeah, for sure. Like you did everything that you were supposed to do to be there and show up on time. The only thing, the only thing that would put you in, in, in harm's way of getting paid would be if you didn't make the flight based on weather, you know, obviously because you're not there. 
so you know they'll ask for some some sort of solution with that like okay are we going to reschedule you know am i going to get a refund yeah those are the times when obviously you know that makes sense yeah I mean, you literally just, there's things that are outside of your control. You exactly, can't. exactly. And in the contracts, you know, pretty much every every time an artist goes and plays, I mean, the, the contracts pretty much cover everything. Like force major uh, clauses in the, in, the, mm. in the contract pretty much stipulate if, you know, if there's inclement weather and stuff like that, then, you know, um, obviously refund will be issued so on and so forth so you know whatever it's all covered in pretty much the legal jargon of the deal everyone wants it to work yeah i mean (laughs) yeah i mean there's the the famous saying the show must go on you know so yeah well i don't even want to talk about this because i'm so sick of talking about covid but you were a business during covid yes actually i started my business in november of 2019 oh man literally (laughs) at the start of covid it was awful i was like holy shit i made a terrible decision (laughs) dude i mean it's just like I just like the, the word COVID. I wish we could just erase it from I, uh, yeah, our I, I, existence. I try. I try. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> to bring it up right now. I'm like, f- but it's obviously like, especially in the beginning of your business. Honestly, like, I look at it as a blessing in disguise because really? a lot of the bigger agencies disbanded or at least cut their staff down uh, through COVID as to where we had no overhead. So we were able to grow while they were shrinking. Mm. So it allowed us to see this this golden lining and see through, you know, what everyone else was actually considering a catastrophe, but we actually looked at it as a as a blessing. So it allowed us to see like a golden lining in it and actually actually grow, you know? Like it was it was kind of surreal. Like I mean, I think we did like in 2020, I think we did like $100,000 in in shows through through covid because we were we were switching to you know virtual uh stuff so we did a lot of like endorsement deals for our clients which was kind of cool um and then obviously the drive-in uh raves were a thing yeah which actually those were a lot bigger budgets really? you know be- well yeah because they had you had to push the sound farther <laughs> exactly so like it actually kind of worked out honestly it was mm. it was kind of crazy for me to be like, wow, we did a hundred thousand dollars in gross revenue in 2020 through COVID. Like, how the hell does this make sense as a live booking agency? Like, but I don't know, it worked. And then as soon as COVID ended and the floodgates opened, we just we just skyrocketed. Yeah, we had well, we had time to develop all of our all of our back end business. So when the floodgates opened, we were just off to the races. Mm, so it was like a little reset button, honestly. Pretty much. I mean, for the whole music industry, it was a reset button. Yeah, for it sure. It really changed. Like it, it flipped the the, you know, it flipped the whole the whole industry upside down, and you know, it allowed people like me to come in and fill a void, which a lot of the major agencies were not fulfilling. Yeah. You know what I think about? It's like we're almost in this like incubation period right now still because like Lala just happened in Chicago. In my opinion, the lineup was trash. I didn't even look at the lineup. I mean, like, but I think it was the first sold out Lala in like six years, which also tells you people are like dying to go. Right. 
So I know that that was probably like a hard take and some people probably had a great time at Fred again and I would see Fred again. <laughs> like, nothing <laughs> wrong with that. But like the rest of the lineup, I was just like, who are these people? Right. But that's what I'm saying about the incubation phase is that so many people's careers who were just going to go on the up and up probably got stifled and then it kind of just put everyone back at baseline. Pretty much, yeah. So like maybe not baseline, baseline, but like... You know, yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm curious to see what the next La lineup is. I mean, to be honest, I just haven't thought lineup or Lala had a good lineup for like a while now. But Mace, do you have any opinions about this? Because, um, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say with with lineups. I also didn't really look too deep into the Lala lineup. Um, I can have some stories about like local other festivals here that I'm just kind of like, okay, like, you know, unnamed house and techno festival in Chicago brings back pretty much the same headliners (laughs) from last year. Whatever it is, like, we're not going to say names, but you know, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I did have a question if it's okay to just kind of jump here. Um, how much of this for you is salesmanship? You're obviously cultivating relationships with event companies, promoters, venues, all that kind of stuff. Um, are you ever finding yourself needing to like sell somebody who's on your roster to a promoter or is it a lot of like, you know, at this point they know who you are, they trust your gut and you know, they send me somebody. So for me, it's, it's more relationship driven. I want to say, my 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 agents always joke with me and they're like oh it's because you have the ceo on the bottom of your <laughs> of your email and i'm like i don't really think that that's true personally um I, i'm because i have to sell the artists just like that just you know just like everyone else does so you know as as far as like yeah obviously there's certain promoters that i know that you know will throw me bones you know obviously but the vast majority of them you know i have to obviously go out there and and you know make a pitch deck you know make sure that i'm showing the promoter what they're doing who they're releasing with what unreleased tracks they have coming out um so you know i would say i would say it is salesmanship mm. at the end of the day mm. is definitely. it is it harder to sell uh an artist on your services maybe than it is to sell to a promoter i mean where do you see kind of like the hardest point in, in it really your just depends it, it depends on um you know, like selling it to a promoter. I mean, it depends on the, again, like the marketability of the artist. If mm-hmm. I if I have a bunch of information to give the artist or to give the the promoter, then my job should be easy. And vice versa, if if I'm if I'm selling my services to an artist, and obviously I give them all, you know, I run them through my my normal spiel, my normal pitch. You know, it, it's it's really kind of like. I've created a system that works, I would say. So I would say both of them are equally as challenging as others because both of the times, you know, there's certain uh, questions that come up that, you know, obviously I have to be like, well, I don't know that, but I'll get back to you and I'll, and I'll tell you, you know, it's, you know, it's just, uh, honestly, it's, it's about being truthful, open and honest at the end of the day. No one wants to deal with a shady ass business salesman. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I consider an agent no different. You know, it's just like a used car salesman if you know or a car salesman don't have to use the used car word, but whatever. Um, you know, no one wants to deal with a shady person. So, right. you know. 
for sure. That makes sense. What do you think about going back? I mean, like going forward, but almost like in COVID, we got like a little test of it, but the virtual reality stuff, the augmented reality stuff, like as we're booking live events, I mean, I feel like that is going to become maybe part of it or I don't know. Like, how do you look know. at the, like, how do you look always, at the landscape of like, I always potential looked new at, stuff? I always looked at like the, the virtual reality stuff is like, I just can't see it. Like I know I'm looking at it from my point of view. I could never get into it and like, me neither. Yeah. and like actually enjoy it. The whole point of going to a concert is being around your peers and having fun with people. I agree. Look, I'm I don't know. You. I don't know. I don't know if that'll ever, I, you know, I might be crazy, but I don't think it'll ever work. I, I just don't. Yeah. I mean, I guess the question was like, you know, how do you adapt that? But do you just, if that becomes a popularity or a popular thing, you're just like, all right, I guess we're booking people for that. Now. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. But I mean, it hasn't really since COVID, it's kind of like, you know, just died off. I don't get requests for like Minecraft festivals anymore. Like, yeah you know, any of those, any of those things. I mean, even, I don't even think Fortnite is doing those like concerts. I haven't seen, I haven't seen a concert from Fortnite since what the Travis, uh, <laughs> Travis Scott one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I haven't, I never attended any of them uh, slash just, you know, I'm, I was dying to get back out there and be Same. with people too. So like, I completely get it. I just was curious. Cause like, I feel like there is an inevitability that some people will not I would say I would say room. I would say like the whole like thought process of a metaverse it's at the infant stages I don't think we'll see something of subs of substance yeah. come for the next 50 years yeah. in my opinion yeah and that's obviously my opinion no but I, I like, think I mean, like we could do stuff if we if we all focused on it. Be like, all right, maybe fifteen years if everyone focused on it. But right. yeah, of course, there's like legislation. There's so <laughs> much shit that gets in the way. I mean, yeah, sure. metaverse is just such a huge undertaking to to fulfill. Yeah. I I just <laughs> I'm it not would even, be a big thing. I'm not even excited about it. No, I'm you not. You know what I mean? Because like I'm you not, hear well, about kids being like, yeah, we don't even like go play outside. And I'm like, now I sound like a boomer, but it's just like. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't know, man. I mean, we'll see though. I mean, it could, it could turn into something big. I hope it doesn't. Personally yeah. speaking, yeah. I think it'll ruin the whole point of a, of a concert. The community. And yeah. I mean, literally, I mean like festivals in general, like, you know, you don't even have to have a music festival, but the word festival is a gathering. You know what I mean? Like you're gathering together and to gather together on your headset or wherever you're seeing it. I just. I don't know. That's just like no, because you can pull out whenever. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly. cool. Like no. if there's something that's like, oh shit, we're here. We gotta like enjoy it. You know, right? Even if you're like weirded out by like a huge mass. I of mean, people, the like, even even nowadays with like the whole you know social media taking over the world, pretty much. You know, you can't really even interact with people like you used to before before these platforms came out, and I just think that. It'll be cool, right? But I just think it takes away from the the, you know, the in, being able to enjoy it. You know, I'm with you, man. I I feel like it's almost even an issue with it. Like you know, you're in an elevator and like you can just like pull out your phone. Exactly. Like I, I mean, it's like great. It's a crutch, but it's, it's I don't know. Anyway, not to go down that <laughs> whole rabbit hole. I just was curious if it was kind of like on your 
you know you're thinking about it at all yeah for sure um but i wanted to talk about just like goals what is like one year goal what's like five year goal like what are your ambitions so my goals for this agency is we have already started a creative division so we're already starting to do like brand partnerships uh brand uh brand development social media marketing so we've created a um a creative division which is headed by paul uh, he's my partner um and then obviously we're gonna we're gonna snowball that we're gonna start doing you know epk's uh logo design website website design uh, we're going to obviously start handling social medias for all of our clients. Mm. And then after that, obviously, we want to start doing like sync licensing. Um, so we're going to create a sync licensing division for film, uh, for, you know, um, commercials, so on and so forth, video games, what have you. Um, basically, how I envision this company is to become a one-stop shop for an artist to be able to walk in to our agency and say, okay, I'm lacking on this. Can you help me? Yes, we have, we, we have this division already, already outlined for this specific problem. Mm. So that is my goal. And I think within the next 10 years, we'll be able to fulfill it. So if someone was like, oh, I really want to get placed in like a video game, you'd yep. be like, we got an arm for that. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Are there any uh, dream artists that you want to shout out real quick and be like, "Hey, let's <laughs> yeah, talk. let's get you on the roster." Man, yeah. I don't know, man. I hmm. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think I have any like. I don't know specifics. Specifics, yeah. you know. That's what right. I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted to talk quickly just about like the differences between the dubstep. Mm-hmm artists that you have and the hip-hop guys yeah um you know like i'm you have like different agents that work on different the the two different yeah so austin is the head of uh hip-hop and rap for the agency and then brian is the head of uh edm Mm -hmm. gotcha and like what are the differences like the hip-hop guys are looking Uh, for like stuff in the green room like is that (laughs) something you handle or so yeah 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 so so (laughs) we need fucking patron no i don't know like just yeah so i mean I, like. I mean the riders are are more or less more extensive for, for the, the hip-hop, for the hip-hop yeah because That's they they have they have entourages you know they you know even though they're they're one person they have to travel with their dj yeah. um and then you know like one person could turn into an entourage of like you know six or seven people mm-hmm. so you have to get six or seven hotels mm-hmm. um you know more or less it's it's just a bigger it's it's more mainstream right so like the the fees are bigger the the shows are bigger you know everything is everything's just bigger yeah interesting okay that makes sense yeah do you see that ever changing like electronic i mean well no i'm just saying like i mean electronic is is still like a niche um like uh industry i would say yeah um I would hope it goes mainstream, like super mainstream. Like you're listening to Mr. Bill on the radio down the street, you know, not on Sirius XM or whatever, but I don't know. I I don't know. Well, like there was, it was kind of like mainstream for a sec. Yeah, back in like 2012, 2012 to like 15 was like the the height of EDM. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just started to cool down because, you know, a lot of these shows, right, are 18 plus. 
Yeah. You know, that's that's where it's like, how are you how are you getting new fans in to care about this music when the live performances are are tailored for adults? And a lot of the people that produce music are like 14 or something. You're like, dude, he's the best. Like <laughs> Exactly. So it's yeah. it's it's one of those things like, you know, hip hop concerts are pr- primarily all ages. Really? Yeah. I mean, oh. majority of the hip hop shows are all ages. Interesting. So I mean, you'll see, you'll see, like you know, uh, like the the primary demographic for a lot of these guys are like sixteen to twenty two year olds. Mm. You know, which for for EDM, I mean, it's like eighteen to you know twenty five, twenty six. Mm. So it's an older. It's an older crowd. It's huh? an older crowd than hip hop. Mm. You know, mm. I mean, you would even go as far as like having fourteen year olds listening to certain hip hop songs. Yeah, for say. sure. Just dropping lyrics that they shouldn't be dropping. <laughs> but they still listen to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because it's like in my head, hip-hop generally is more lewd, you know. It's yeah, just most more, definitely. Like, but then electronic. you go to a show, and it's kind of flip-flopped, right? So the, the, the vocals in hip-hop <laughs> is like, you know, out there. But then you go to an EDM show, and then you're introduced with drugs, all that oh, yeah. kind of stuff. So it's like yeah, kind I mean, of like a... But it's not like the venue selling you Molly. Well, no, yeah, most, <laughs> most definitely. I mean, for sure. Yeah, you got the guy walking around, Molly, Molly. Like, go, you're just like, who is that? I'm 14. Um, yeah, I guess the drug culture. I didn't think about that as much. Yeah, yeah. But it's not something you have to partake in. No, not something you have to, for sure. But I think that's why electronic is primarily an older crowd, in my opinion. Mm. because of drug culture yeah that makes sense i mean i just i guess for me i just like always whenever once i found it i was See, like I, this same. is yeah same same yeah same gotcha. most definitely interesting mace do you have any other questions i know that we're trying to also keep this to like uh, you know a yeah. quick um i want to know and you don't have to go too deep into it but if you were going to give me a pitch on prism right now what what is what is it about you and prism that makes you guys stand out that, I, that I you want to, to convey i gotcha, wanted to ask gotcha. the same thing so so basically one of our biggest pitches is that um you know we pay weekly when a lot of our competition pays monthly so we're able to obviously get deposits out quicker we're able to settle out shows quicker mm-hmm. um than a lot of our competition we're also smaller and have the ability to tailor our focus um, on more artists because of the fact that we don't have like, you know, a Skrillex or something like that taking up a lot of our bandwidth. Um, and then also we work as a unified team as opposed to having like a singular agent working on like, you know, let's say 20 artists. Mm. So instead of, instead of like being like, okay, this is my artist. Mm. We don't do that. You know, if, if we need help on something, we're able to talk to one another and basically unify our team so we're able to push out more contracts, more shows. It's collaborative. Yeah, it's collaborative. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. It must it sounds like a good place to work too. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, my team is amazing. Yeah. It's 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 so homegrown and in such a family oriented place. Like, you know, my whole team, you know, every time we get off the phone with each other, we say we love each other and you know, like <laughs> it's not you know what I mean? But it's 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 a good work environment because no one wants to go to work every day and get bitched at or yeah or or feel less of a person. Like no one wants to do that. You yeah. Know? yeah. So that's wholesome. 
also like i mean with the industry the better you do as an agent and as a team like it's just it's all good for everyone most definitely most definitely i feel like a lot of the times you know there's not that that family oriented structure around music i feel like it's just pump out as many dollars as you can then if you're not worth it kick you to the curb Mm. i just I, i just don't like that yeah i mean that's a big reason that i started my agency to begin with you know because i was a promoter and I just felt shafted a lot of the times. So, in what way? Just like you couldn't get people in. I mean, I lost thousands upon thousands of dollars getting overcharged by artists, hmm. you know, or overcharged by agencies for their artists, you know, stuff like that. So, gotcha. Okay. What makes a good talent agent? Uh, aside from that hustle culture that you talked about earlier, I mean, what if if you were looking at somebody like what's going to make them really successful? They have to be a self starter at mm-hmm. heart completely through and through self-starter you have to think on your feet and be able to problem solve very quickly Mm. because there's a lot of times that you're not you know there's there's a different problem and that's why i love this job is because there's a different problem every day Mm. and i i'm i'm i I like chess you know Mm. i like chess like i like the ability to think outside the box and correct problems as they come up quickly um you know it's you gotta be a multitasker you gotta obviously no music Mm -hmm. um and you just got to be able to you know make friends Mm -hmm. really that's awesome get connected with the people yes 100 with your artists and stuff cool yeah it sounds like a cool little you know not little but like just a gig for everyone yeah it's, it's fun man good man well i uh i wanted to just wrap or you know end with a question that i always end with which is you know we talked about what was your first concert but and this could be interesting for you because it it could almost be like a concert that you booked too Mm -hmm. um but what was like the craziest most impactful concert that you went to or 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 (laughs) potentially have booked someone for and maybe even a concert that you potentially are going to book some more that was like three questions but just like (laughs) you could think about all of it I'll, I'll. I would say no. I, I I already know. Honestly, it was uh it was um it was uh the festival that I threw. Um, mm-hmm. it was Up North Music and Arts Festival. Um, and it was the biggest learning curve of my career. I was mm-hmm. 19 years old. Oh damn! I was 19 years old. Um, and it was it was a beautiful shit show. It was a beautiful <laughs> shit show. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I learned basically the ins and outs of everything that goes into you know doing a, a an event at that size and we did about five thousand people you know we had like ganja white knight playing you know back when he was like a two thousand dollar dj nine, damn that's crazy um yeah and it was it, it that was the most impactful uh festival that i've ever been through because you know i got called out online by it and a bunch of other shit and like people hating on the actual event. yeah yeah people hating on the on the, well on the event like it was you know a whole thing but it 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 drove me to get to where i am now hmm. so i saw all those failures trials and tribulations and i overcame every single one of those obstacles so that was the most impactful event i would say 
feel like throwing a festival, you get into every little nook and cranny of the industry. You got to yes. think about like speakers. You got to think about getting water for people. Oh, like you we, gotta, yeah, we had to we had to basically build a reservoir. Really? <laughs> that weekend, yes. What was like the hardest task to figure out um, for the fest? I, the whole thing. The whole thing. It's just like <laughs> I mean, like there was, was there was no one task that overtook everything else. It was, you know, like I mean, just just the licensing in itself was a was a task. You know, uh, communicating with uh, with evacuation plans. I mean, you oh. know, everything everything was was a hurdle. You know, yeah. you had noise ordinances that you had to get passed through the the township. Like it was it was a whole ordeal. You know, mm-hmm. the insurance. You know, mm. all of it, all of it, liquor licenses. How did you just had to figure it all out on the floor? Well, I had, I had two, well, no, I had one, two, I had four other partners. Okay. I had four other partners. So, um, my uncle actually met, uh, this cat, Chris Ponder, um, at, uh, it was like at this park. Right. And I told my uncle, I was like, I'm going to throw a music festival. Like, and he was like, well, I, kn- I just met this guy that, you know, has a lot of experience, whoop-de-whoop. And, and like, you're, uh, you're like, okay, uncle. <laughs> like, but then, but then <laughs> yeah. I got introduced to him and I was like, holy shit, this is actually going to work. Yeah. So it was really cool to see how it all came together, you know, as a 19-year-old kid with, you know, obviously just r- straight out of high school. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was surreal to see how it all came together. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. I love that. I'm looking at the lineup here too for um, uh, the, up north. If it's the same one, was it Lewis the Child was headlining? G Jones, that was, that was your Big two. Wild. Yeah, that was your two. That's crazy, man. Yeah, this is really cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing the ads for that too. Yeah. Um, Lewis the Child actually they went to our high school. Oh no! Um, so we were you know following them pretty heavily, and ah, that's so cool, man. Nice. I did not know that nice. was you. Yeah. Holy crap. I'm just still thinking about like when your parents tell you that something's going to be good for you and you're just like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Yeah. My mom, uh, obviously she was like, you're, you're, you're going to do all of this. You're going to do this for work. And I've honestly, I've never done anything different with my life. It's always been music. That's awesome. It's always been something in music. I guess something we should have asked is like, did you play music? Have you, were you a producer so, at any point? I was, uh, Back when I, I, I know, but back when I was in, uh, like, I think middle school, I was like the lead role in our musical. Oh, nice. So. What was the musical? Do you remember? Oh, I can't even remember. <laughs> I can't <laughs> just, even remember. Just some random one. Yeah, just some random musical. Cool, man. Well, yeah. I, f- I mean, there's a lot of other questions I'm going to try not to ask because I don't want to just seem super naive here, but I feel like. <laughs> You're good. There is a lot of stuff that, you know, you laid out and I appreciate that because like. Like I said, this is this is the podcast for producers. So many producers are like, I mean, in my mind, some of them are like 14 and yeah, <laughs> they don't so know right. anything about the business. So I feel like the potential for them to hear someone who's in the industry doing this stuff, like how shit actually works, yeah, I think is invaluable. So I just yeah, appreciate it. Most definitely. You. Most definitely. Because anyone can get there. You know, all it takes is all it takes is a dream. Yeah. Um, and motivation and dedication. You can get anywhere you want in life. Yeah. And potentially having a team, right? Like there yeah. might be a yeah. point where like eh, and being it. marketable. Yeah. yeah. And being marketable. Yeah. That was probably like the biggest thing. <laughs> yeah, just like <laughs> get those socials up, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
gotta be an influencer nowadays it's it's kind of uh, uh i wish i hope we turn the corner on that at some point i hope so too man i hope so too going back to the days where you're selling cds on the side of the street to get people <laughs> to come to your gigs i mean i don't know if i want to go back to that though either well, just, it was so much <laughs> no, more genuine you. though like I get it's it, yeah. like fuck dude like why are we still like just being like oh cool pink hair how about you give me a good song like like that's i wish it was i wish it was like that i get it yeah when you put that cd in that you bought off the street you're like what am i about to hear (laughs) like is this gonna be a banger or even if it's bad you're probably like you know i supported that guy (laughs) right maybe you make fun of it and you're you know whatever i don't know yeah exactly we should do that the the guy at jersey mike's gave me his spotify and i listened to it and i was like just it was almost ear piercing right (laughs) i mean oh my god i was i was suffering through it but i'll always respect him for just being like hey man check out my spotify all right sick you know exactly exactly. i don't even have half those balls to be able to say like listen to my music like me and me and munchie were at this uh this bar down the road from me and uh this guy was like you know we were just talking he was like he was like uh yeah I, i make beats and uh, he pulled out his phone, and I kid you not, he he was making like Lord of the Rings style beats. Like oh, we're, man. We, we were like, holy shit, dude! <laughs> like, did it? Was it like Lord of the Rings? Like, no. and then it had a beat behind it, or it was like? No, it was like it was like some gothic, fucking like, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you type music. Like, like Sauron. That's sick. <laughs> I like respect that though. You know what I mean? It's just like, all right, man, maybe you'll well, like yeah, I perfect mean, that. Well, in, in looking at the kid, you would have never guessed it when he, when he pulled that out. I'm like, holy shit, dude. Was he playing it just over a phone yes. to like, to your like, dude, no, yeah, this part. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This <laughs> yes. is when the orcs, you know, raid Helm's deep. It's <laughs> yes, like, dude. wait, what? <laughs> 100%. That's exactly how it went. Oh man. God, that's so fun. I just like, Maybe we'll start like handing out USBs or something of it's old school, but it works. That's how Skrillex met Dead Mouse and how he got him his music is like he handed him a USB and was like, "Hey, I make music. Check this out." And then, boom! Lo and behold, scary monsters. Yeah. Yep. What do we put on a USB as a podcast? Like, oh man, just, just like uh, malware. And just make just all their computers weird. like listen to our podcast. Like, you like plug it in and it like makes them subscribe yeah. or something stupid. Dude, great. that would be crazy. I'm not malicious like that, but that would be cool. All right, dude. Well, we can keep going on the tangents, but thank you for coming through. Yeah, man. I appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Oh, any shout outs? Um, want to shout out Electricity. Want to shout out Brian. He's been killing it. Uh, obviously, Austin um yeah cool cool guys um go listen to another episode and check out prism too yeah you definitely gotta check out another episode (laughs) thank you (laughs) all right peace